Hey, what's up? And welcome back to the Vibe Union podcast. It's episode 11. My name is MQ and I'm going to be hosting today. With me, I have Amutha to my left. What's going on, guys? And I got Rath to my right. Hello. We are here in wonderful Melbourne. And before we begin, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and produce this podcast. It is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, sovereignty was never ceded and it's important to recognize that harmonious and peaceful coexistence is a shared responsibility. Here at Vibe Union, we believe that we're a part of that uh, solution and we want to be in any way that we can and we encourage you to do the same. It's pretty incredible to be getting to do this. Um, you know, we all got our peppermint teas with a bit of ginger and a bit of honey infused. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you're taking care of yourselves, folks, especially if you're tuning in from Sydney, Northern Beaches. Mm -hmm. Stay home, stay safe. And um, yeah, how the bloody hell are we today? How how's how we? Well, <laughs> I'm not too bad. I'm not all right. Too bad. Yep. I'm good in the second half of this day, but I started this day off a bit slow, and I wanted to kind of, I wanted to get some thoughts on it. Okay. I wanted to get your opinion on it, because um, I'm sure we all go down this road almost every couple of days. Of <laughs> you're working on your whatever you're working on. You're working on your album. You're working on your latest single, or you're just sketching in your book, or what have you, mm -hmm. and. So I've got an album coming up and at the moment I'm waiting on other people to kind of get it polished up. But at the same time, it's been a little while since I wrote it and recorded and it's been it's just taking me long, longer than I expected to get it done. And I've kind of hit this wall now of I don't have the same excitement that I had at the start. I'm still pumped for it. I'm still very proud of what I've done. But I don't have that initial excitement that giddy like childlike wonder of like oh i'm doing a thing mm. that's kind of done now i'm kind of into the process of just like kind of you know ticking the boxes before release uh and especially waiting for other people um it's very hard to wake up every day and be like cool i'm so excited to make stuff again i'm so excited to to get uh to just get on with the next step of my career let's say um and this is, I think, something that I've always really struggled with. And I think, Amutha, that you're also going to have a lot of thoughts on this as oh, well. Oh, yeah, definitely. That <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I always – and this kind of ties into our legit uh, legitimacy. I don't know why I can't say that word, <laughs> which is really frustrating. We did a whole episode on it. Um, but, yeah, it kind of ties into a previous episode talking about, like, when do you feel like you're actually an artist? When do you feel like you're a legit um, professional? But I wanted to kind of just get your guys' thoughts on the more emotional side of things. So I always feel like I need that sense of progress. I always feel like I want to be going on to the next big thing. Um, I want to feel like, I guess because I've always got, I've always had that goal in my mind that I'm going to be a rock star <laughs> or something, right? And so if I don't feel like I'm getting there every single day, if I'm not taking another step, I feel this like pit in my stomach of like, I'm wasting so much of my time today. Mm. Um, and I really admire people who can just, who let's say, oh, actually, you know what? I've got a fun example. I've got a fun example because I feel like a little kid again because I've built a train. Whoa. Mm. Choo -choo. I'm a big train fan and my mom got me a train, <laughs> like this wooden um, laser cut kind of, not balsa wood, but similar kind of material. Um, super intricate. And I was like, cool. You kind of know me, but you also don't know me at all because I love trains. Great, tick there. But I don't really think I'm going to build this model. It's going to take me hours and hours and hours. That seems like just so not me to do that. Mm -hmm. And then like within 20 minutes, I was like fucking, I was yeah. deep into it. I was putting it all together and it, took, it did take me hours and I would do like three to four hour long sessions of building this train. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got towards the end of it and was like, man, 
there's no point in doing this beyond just having this finished. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good feeling. I put on some podcasts. I just got to work and just did it for myself. And now it's done. And I'm not going to like, I'm not sharing it around. I'm not like taking it to, to mm-hmm. friends' houses. Like, look what I fucking did this fucking train. Yep. But that sense of just like doing a thing for the sake of doing the thing, I really mm-hmm. want to be able to switch into that mode when doing music because mm-hmm. because it's such tied to my personality and tied to my sense of self. To not to just do it aimlessly feels like I'm cheating myself almost. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Where do you find for yourself, for either of you guys, your feeling of either your progression on each single day, which I know is totally, totally unrealistic. I'm asking this kind of yeah. hypothetically. Um, your sense of progress every single day or rather, better yet, when do you feel the most comfortable in just making music in the moment with zero expectations for it to go on any further than that moment? Mm. Well, okay, like I get bored making the Kinder Surprise toys. So I, in terms of your <laughs> construction project, that's way beyond my realm of comprehension. Yeah. I feel like I'm with us probably got more to say on this topic than I can offer up straight away. Um, I was going to say, I think you and I, Rai, we go through similar waves. Um, So I had something happen during my release, my recent release of this EP, which was that after it got out there, I lost all motivation. I was just so uninspired, so demotivated, so like whatever. And I fell into this weird pit of like sadness and... While I was wallowing in my own sadness, I um, the only thing that really got me out of it was doing exactly what you did with the train. It was just doing something purely for the sake of doing something and actually enjoying it. So for me, it was painting. I just like started painting. I put on a podcast exactly like you did. And like, it just felt so good to be able to create without the expectation. I think because all of us are trying to make music into a career Along with that comes the expectation and it's so difficult to eliminate that expectation from the path that we've chosen. Is that painting project where the Van Gogh jumper comes from? Yeah, like that. So recently it's been actually painting my book, but yeah, that was another different bout that I went down. (laughs) Anytime you see me doing some crazy painting, it's most likely because I'm feeling down. Because most of the time I'll spend my time doing music like unless I'm, you know, really feeling a kind of way. If I'm really feeling too deep in something bad, I can't work on music. Right. Um, it's it, Music is reserved for after I've gone through the bad feeling and I can do something useful with it. I can mm-hmm. express the bad feeling, but then as well as that, I can give some like at least helpful advice or a good vibe to go along with it. Like, hey, yeah, I know it's shit, but like we're all here together and we're all good and we're going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. I want that to be the underlying message, not, hey, I feel like shit and this is the end of the song, you know? Mm. So um, I forgot what we were talking about right before we started rolling, you and I. Do you remember when you just mentioned the topic and then I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent and then I was like, i got to save it for the podcast and – I got really distracted by um, the failure of my own technology. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really remember. Fair enough. Um, but I like that kind of where you have gone there is perhaps the life of the top. Uh, the, sorry, the life of the of the um, of the project is kind of like that. You you can focus in on that cycle. 
mm. rather than like, you know, every project or, or what have you, mm. um, even if it's just writing a song a day or sketching in a book a day. That feels like a step in a bigger journey. Yes, which yeah. it is, mm. and, and and so as is each project, as is each conversation you have with friends, as is each cool flower you see along your little trips mm. down the down to the lake. You know, you see a little thing, and that's like kind of put away in your mind, and that could be the beginning, the the spark to something else. Mm. But then to break it down into further bits and pieces mm. is probably something that I really want to get better at and I think I was what good what do you during, mean by that breaking it into bits and pieces so focusing less on like what is this album or what is this project meaning in the greater scheme of my of my career or my journey and focusing mm. more on just what does this project need to get finished and yep. where is it what is its journey and mm. then when that's done then I can move on to the next thing yeah, so yeah. definitely yeah I think that goes to yeah goes a little bit back to the expectation I think the the only thing that alleviated all of that unnecessary pressure I'd put on myself after the release was realizing, yeah, I was expecting this to be way more than what it was. And I just shouldn't expect anything out of the music. I should just be doing it because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And like every day I'm trying to solidify that as a truth. And every day I'm trying to ground myself in that being my reality. Cause that's what it is at the end of the day. Like you have to just be able to enjoy making the music without like hoping or thinking it's going to be something. It's like, you don't want, you don't, you don't want that to be part of the, the whole process mm-hmm. of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reception of it shouldn't be, you know, part of the process of creation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you were saying, you like sort of took the exact idea um, as it started occurring to me and talking about breaking it into little pieces, accepting that you have a project, it's project management, right? You have this overall creativity and within that creativity, you've devised for yourself this project. I'm going to create this album. I'm going to make this painting. And you have to accept then that now you're in that project. You're no longer in your career. Like it's a subset of your career. That's fine. Mm. But you're now exclusively in that project until and unless you decide to take yourself out of it. Oh, that's so good. And so when you're able to do that and you do that holistically, not just I'm a creative, so ergo all of my involvement in this is exclusively creative you have to accept that some of that is collaborative some of that is sitting around waiting and by breaking that project down into small pieces there is that finalization stage you know as as someone who is almost exclusively a vocalist i don't really touch all the mixing and mastering and that side of things i have to factor in the fact that that stuff takes time that i don't know how to factor in necessarily effort that I'm not going to do I need to outsource and that's going to be a period of time at the end of this project that I need to just block out whether it's a small thing so I need to give 24 extra hours or something like that so I think by treating it as such as a project you see it for all it is and you no longer become a creative you're kind of more of a director or a planner or an organizer and I think if you can do that then you take that same mentality and go with a sort of a bigger higher up view of then back to your career and say, okay, at the end of this project, which is a three month long thing or or X amount of time, but at some point I'm going to hit this three week period where I need to send it off to mix engineer, this guy or whatever. And I will maybe have two hours of listening and involvement and feedback per week, but that's for three whole weeks. Now for three whole weeks, I can sit around and wait for those two hours to show up or I can actually plan ahead and go, I'm going to do this little project or something like that instead. So it's being able to see yourself at those different levels and acknowledge that at the micro level, this project now only requires this of you. You're going to have that more free time. And now, you know, 
then it comes down to sort of who you are, what kind of a creative you are. There are some people who, you know, far and away are just like, oh, I have free time, I'm gonna be creative. Whereas it, you know, especially both of you, I really admire the fact that your MO seems to be, oh, whatever time that is sort of unscheduled time that isn't free time is music time, mm -hmm. right? I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna write. I'm gonna make a beat. I'm gonna mix someone's project. And I think, you know, I have started to become more on demand with my creativity because it's like, well, one, this opportunity came up to do this project, uh, to do a fringe show. Okay, this is what needs doing. This is how long it takes. That's all I'm gonna focus on. I'm gonna turn other things away and all that kind of stuff. And then as I saw that there's, you know, three days or, or you know, after I submitted it to when it gets viewed, it was sort of a two to three week turnaround. Then I started like reaching back out onto those DMs and started doing that networking -y thing again, acknowledging that all my creative stuff is done. All I need to do now is produce promotional content and start the wheels in motion for the next thing. So I think that, I think what we can all share in that is that feeling of momentum. Like I definitely yeah. felt it. There was three weeks between, or two weeks between um, upload to Fringe and people watching it where I'm just sat there with, you know, sitting on my thumbs. And mind you, sitting on the file. All I wanted was to send people a private YouTube link and be like, hey, yeah, you can check it out here. <laughs> and, and you just want to do that and you want to give it out, but it's acknowledging that's part of the process. Yeah, I need to relinquish that sense of control mm. and that sense of, ownership over it now yeah it exists in the in the best form i can make it exist in and there is a way best of all there is a distribution process mm. Mm. people i above everyone everyone else i need to respect that mm -hmm. um yeah. i think we will come back to that idea of distribution process and the respect of it um later on because i know yeah. you want to talk copyright and yeah. um and and information like that but mm. i just want to kind of test what did you guys think of what i've just said well, it's funny because you actually tied in what you were going to say. Yes, you okay. remembered. <laughs> cool, I remembered. Um, uh, yeah, I just I think um, that's a really important point about giving it the respect and the time it needs to be released. Mm -hmm. And like you know, when we're doing our rehearsals here, last time I was you know I put on my stuff and you know I say like oh I just want to hear what it sounds like when it's mastered on this speaker. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like I just want to show everyone. I just yeah. need everyone to listen Absolutely. to this music now. Um, and there is, and I think that's where I've gone previously. Is I, I'm, I'm always the first person, and I know we're the same. It's like, well, project's done, out with, out the door with you. Like get, yeah. get you out into the world, mm -hmm. and um, and then every time I'm like, oh, that didn't <laughs> didn't do as well as it deserved, yeah. um, which is really really frustrating. But at the same time. Yeah, there's. It, it, I'm trying deciding where my disappointment is. Is, is it going to be the three weeks prior to release when I'm just fucking itching, or is it going to be the the three weeks after I release it too early and it's like uh, I didn't really, didn't really get there. But yeah, what were your, what were you going with it? So, um, one thing that is amazing to actually keep the momentum going, I feel as well, and this is something you mentioned, is collaboration. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. you are feeling uninspired and you're feeling like, my God. Like I've done this project or I'm waiting on things and like, what do I do with my time? And I don't want to like just sit around, just reach out to someone, go onto, in in go onto Instagram, just type in a hashtag of like guitar player or something like that. You'll somehow you'll find someone, reach out to them and then ask them if they want to work on a track with you. And I guarantee it's going to get you out of your rut to have someone else's creativity and expression mingle with yours is just going to re-inspire you. So that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Mm. I think we mentioned this last time on the le on legitimacy episode about like, um, so obviously we want fans and this is what I'm talking about is I want people to hear. It. I want as many people in the world to hear it. And I know we all want that for our music. We want as many people listening to it as possible. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but the, the, the thing that really got me going this year is, you know, I was, con- you know, I was happy to see the numbers go up in our YouTube videos, but I was really, what I was really happy about is just vibing with the other members of vibe union and just bouncing tracks around with each other. And it feels like so much more of a, like a, of a, that the worth of another artist, the, the admiration or, or just the support of another artist feels like so much more than some random number. So Cause it, I mean, yeah. if somebody in the street was like, dude, you're the fucking guy and you do the thing. I'd be like, holy shit. This is good. This is my ego is going to be inflated for like weeks after this. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but numbers on a YouTube video, yep. it just means nothing now, mm-hmm. even though our numbers are quite low in comparison to other videos. So like, if we got a hundred thousand, yeah, I would be fucking, I'd be fucking <laughs> peaking for years. <laughs> Um, but for the time being, like an extra few 20 people or 100 people or so like that, I'm like, that's cool. But what I really want is is another Melbourne artist to be like, yo, I want to work with you. Yeah. I want to do the thing. And yeah, that's an amazing feeling. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe it's simply actually at the moment is simply just everyone's busy because now we can actually talk to each other, actually see each other, actually yeah. go out and hang with our family and friends, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, very exhausting, but it's, <laughs> it's also great. Amazing. Mm. Hey, so quick moment to shout out. You know, if you... Uh, watching or listening and you care about Rath's mental health, <laughs> then I need you to hit that like button. Perhaps oh, no. more importantly, <laughs> find us on Instagram, drop us a DM yes. and just be like, hey, you know what? I listened to at least this point. Um, <laughs> and the, the magic code word that you can tell us is fern. For F-E-R-N, fern. Hit us, with, hit, us, hit, us, hit us with a fern word or emoji. It's entirely up to you. Mm-hmm. Let us know that you watched to this point and that you're digging it. And Thank also... You. Um, if you are struggling to find people to collaborate with, hit us up. We're Come right on. Here. We're right here. We we're welcome around all. Just chatting on a, on a couch. That's that's all we're doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And we're totally <laughs> inclusive. No matter what yeah. you're doing, what kind of expression you have, we have all t- types of people in our group. So you're more than welcome to reach out to us on Instagram, on whatever mediums we're on, and uh, we'll work together and it'll be fun. Can't wait to watch you eat those words when we get complete nutter. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like really into Nazis, but also like alchemy, and they want to try and bring those two things together. Actually, you know what? No, I'm sold. Yeah, let's let's see. Let's see. Hit us up. Hello, I'm from the Illuminati, and I am interested in working with you. I would like to produce a video with you that will be seven hours, and we'll discuss all of the greatest issues and latest problems that are facing our human, etc. Hit us up. If you're that guy, I love your voice. If you're that guy, hit us up. Yeah, I'm actually down for that. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, speaking of corporate cabals trying to ruin the little guy. <laughs> Segway on point. Right? Um, Rye, you've got some very interesting news for us about Spotify, copyright, and other indeed. words that might rhyme. Right. <laughs> um, there's news that um, Spotify is doing something similar to YouTube. And if people don't know, I'm sure most people do know already, but YouTube has a copyright system that is extremely flawed. But also, it's an extremely hard thing to deal with. Is trying to to police copyright issues on a platform like YouTube, where there is literally like a hundred hundreds of thousands of hours uploaded every minute, or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so a big problem on YouTube at the moment is obviously people uploading content that is fair use. So if you're if you're reviewing a movie and you're using clips from a trailer. Sweet, no dramas. Legally binding, you are totally fine. But YouTube doesn't recognize that and some companies are way worse than others. A really good example is in gaming. Nintendo is notoriously uh, terrible with this. They just, they'll hit any small creator. If you upload any uh, gameplay footage from a Nintendo, 
you are not monetizing that. You get nothing from it wow. because they will hit you regardless yeah. of what you're doing, mm. even though it's the best promotion you could possibly have. Of course. Um, now this is a slightly different issue, but the, now Spotify is doing is is they're working on the same on a similar thing. Um, they have at least put in the uh, the the trademarks on the on the software that they're trying to develop. Um, but so I only read an article. I can't remember where the article was from, but um, but it got me thinking because this is. Uh, a topic that comes to my mind a lot when every week we'll see another article saying certain people got sued by this other creator for this song. Um, there was a couple, there was a couple of Katy Perry ones. Um, the notorious one of um, Stairway to Heaven of Led Zeppelin getting sued by this random guitarist who said that they stole it from them. Um, and they're getting more and more ridiculous as there is more and more blood in the water. I think from giant companies because they see that you can. There's a, there's a oh th- this chord progression sounds eerily close to this thing, and so we're going to sue you and get a whole bunch of money. And this is my concern with the Spotify thing because we live in a time where sampled music is so intrinsic to several genres, especially obviously hip hop, and. How are they going to create a system that does not? And let's be honest, they are. It's going to fuck over small creators. Mm-hmm. It is not there to help individual artists. Yeah. It is there to help major corporations. And I don't even think it's it's there to help the big creators. It's not there to help Beyonce make sure that her tracks aren't sampled by anybody. Because mm-hmm. I think Beyonce, not I don't know Beyonce, never spoken to her. Right? I'd love to, <laughs> love to hang out, but have not. But I can imagine if you said to her, I was like, hey, this small person, this small hip hop creator is getting 100 views or 100 listens on their Spotify album and it sample one of your songs. Do you give a shit? I can um, can only imagine she would laugh you out of the room for thinking that she would have she does not have bigger fish to fry than that that little tiny thing. But those are the people who are going to get hurt the most mm. with this kind of system. They do on YouTube and I'm really yeah, I'm really worried about it. But also it brings up the mora- morality of copying music mm. because that is how music and creativity works. Music and creativity is based on you take an idea that you already know from somebody else and you develop it further. There is almost no one. If you can, in the comment section, name an artist that literally copies no one, that creates Mm. entirely original art, first they might be on drugs because then maybe you can get into some sort of mindset where you lose concept of reality. But otherwise, I don't think you can possibly find an artist Mm. that does not have some sort of reasonable connection to previous work and almost always knowingly borrows con- concepts, chord progressions, beats, rhythms, bass lines, sounds, anything. Um, yeah, I find that really terrifying. Um, let's <laughs> get see what your thoughts are. My rant yeah. is over, but yeah, there you go. Yep. Uh, I guess the, the main thing for me is this distinction between product and art. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, art, you're exactly right it is nigh on impossible to come up with something that is truly deeply exactly original everything comes from something like go back you know if if you're listening to this watching this as a creative go back and listen to your own catalog now especially stuff you did two three years ago and compare it with like music you were listening to at that time i promise you you will see parallels if not in your own margin notes of like say this like eminem you know copy like this flow from here like we just do it, whether it's on a subconscious or a very conscious level, um, it, it happens. Uh, apparently, not imagine yesterday or Blackbird, like one of those Beatles songs, like they came around and said like, okay, cool, you know what, I apologize, but I literally do not remember 
like listening to that song <laughs> yeah. and whether or not so Paul McCartney is lying about that fact I don't know but I find it quite easy to believe that you heard a refrain 17 years ago and the chord progression EADG just really rings a bell for you and feels nice mm. like that is going to happen and that is going to happen in art of course I think the idea of it being a product is where you know corporates product and business kind of do have a claim and do have a right to impose certain limitations mm -hmm. on behalf of rights holders and things like that. And I think that's where YouTube kind of had its hand forced into doing it. I don't think YouTube set out to generate money for other people and, and oh, be the, you know, be the enforcer for Sony BMG and, and Vivo and things like that. I think they simply went, oh, right, if we don't do this, all of these big players will move and these videos that are generating hundreds of millions of views are going to stop existing and we need people to come and stay and watch this stuff for the ads so they're trying to make the like people pleasers happy sorry the, the the crowd pull is happy and so i think spotify is kind of in the same boat but it it does kind of irk me like where was the problem in spotify i feel mm -hmm. like i have heard of zero situations in which a budding Spotify artist has kind of risen to fame on Spotify by sampling other people's stuff. And mind yeah. you, the flip side is like Joyner Lucas, uh, Dax as, uh, you know, two big rappers. And there's so many more out there. They rose to prominence. Uh, what's his name? Um, KSI. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, prominent YouTuber suddenly just flipped and went, I'm going to be a rapper now because there's money in it. But he started with like diss tracks and, and covers and things like that. And he actively and happily got himself demonetized because he knew that still getting 400K streams on Eminem diss track mm. is going to be good for his brand long-term. So on YouTube, you very definitively have this thing happening and almost to the point of like, oh, you're actively exploiting the system. You don't yeah. care about your partner revenue because you're gonna get other revenue and KSI has gone on to get incredible deals. Mm -hmm. Dax is making like tons of money based purely off the fact that now he's making original music and people just automatically watch it. They've subscribed to him, they like him, they'll watch whatever he puts out. So you get to that point eventually of legitimacy by doing the bad thing. That happened on YouTube, but I don't feel like it's ever been an issue on Spotify. No. So for them to come out of seemingly nowhere does like that I'm cynical about, but I definitely do want to say that there's a distinction between product and art. And I, I, you know, as you're someone who, again, like creates really purely mm. um, and doesn't seem to be interested almost in the product side of things. How, how do you view that distinction and, and what do you think of the role of originality in that? Oh, it's so hard to say. Um, I know uh, the way I create is, um, is a bit odd. <laughs> um, and so I, I almost feel like I don't even have a say in this entire conversation because like, I, I don't, yeah, actually it's difficult to say. If someone came after me and claimed that a progression that I had used is similar to something they've already created, I guess the first feeling that came to me was like, nobody owns art. Mm -hmm. Nobody, not even the person creating owns the art. 100%. <laughs> so like, it's unfair. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's once it becomes a product, which it, it doesn't start as a product. It starts as art and then it gets monetized. It gets commercialized. So because the whole culture and the narrative around art itself is such, and we live in like a capitalist society where things do get monetized, it's very hard to to work around, um, you know, this whole, this whole issue. So I don't know. I, I, I honestly, like I 
I can't say I haven't like my opinion would be art is for everybody art should be expressed however it needs to be expressed and we should all be able to enjoy it but knowing that there's a, a price tag attached to it like it's unfortunate but it, that's just the society that we live in at the moment and mm. hopefully we'll progress to a point where art is respected as its own thing and it's not touched by you know any ideas of like <laughs> commercialization but I don't know. It is what it is, right? Let's um, let's let's do a little throwback Monday, right? Mm -hmm. And let's let's talk about where this stuff started. Sure. So, um, you know, I watched a series recently of sort of where does like scratching and and hip hop and all that kind of stuff come from? And you go, you've got these DJs like Cool Herc and stuff like that, and these guys who would just have these block parties, spinning these records and only playing like the instrumental breakdown bits, and that's the break. Um, and that you know, and you would have. Uh, people then just rap over those bits and DJs got really good at playing just breakdown after breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. So mm. you've just got these instrumental tracks. Eventually they record a mixtape of just those breakdown, 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 breakdown. Yeah. And they put them out on the streets and people drive around and they're listening to this stuff. And then rappers go, oh, cool. Let me record myself rapping over these beats that DJ Cool Herc or whoever has made. And then they create a rapper mixtape. And then they go and like sell that on the streets mm. for $10. Like they go and buy, you know, 50 cassettes for 20 bucks and then record over it and then sell that out to people. And that's what they're doing. And it was only when like Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight, that's like the first recorded hip hop song. Right. And it was made because there was, oh, I wish I remembered her name. She cottoned on to all this like block party stuff and she was like, this is amazing. We need to record it properly in a studio and we need to sell it. Mm -hmm. right oh, so here's okay, all these okay. people organically making this wonderful music and making people move we just need to record it and sell it so what does she do she got a session band to record that dun, doo -doo -doo -doo, like that that riff um which i don't know maybe for copyright reasons we can't play at this point yeah <laughs> um but they from some like disco band of the day got them got a band to re-record the same bit literally live sample like sampling mm -hmm. through replaying and then got just them to play that for 20 minutes ad nauseum got these like a bunch of rappers like oh you work at this store you kind of into hip-hop music like do you rap <laughs> oh yeah i rap i got some friends who rap like we sit around rapping sometimes okay cool you guys are the sugar hill gang now let's right. go and like wow. let's go into a studio literally that's it wow. like over the span of like a week Suddenly the first ever recorded hip hop song exists wow. purely because someone said there's money in this. Let me make a product of it. Mm -hmm. And so the irony that that came from sampling to be productized, like the band then sued them and, and took them for as much as they were worth because like, hey, we didn't give you permission to re-record our music for this purpose. Nah, like we want that money. Yeah, okay. But of course, by then it had taken off. Oh, damn, this is a, a genre in and of itself. I want to buy a record that has this and that. Um, so it starts there and, and somewhere in the middle becomes this really like commonplace thing that rappers on the come up need to make these mixtapes. Mm -hmm. I need a beat tape from a producer. I don't care where the instrumentals come from. These ones are the beats that I want. I'm going to rap on them and I'm going to distribute this mixtape. And so people, so Eminem made a mixtape, sent it to Sony, mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Iovine sitting on it. And Jimmy Iovine eventually goes to Dr. Dre and he's like, hey man, like here, listen to this. This is pretty whack. This is pretty full on. And Dr. Dre listens to Eminem's mixtape of Eminem rapping over other people's beats and goes, this is the guy, bring him in. Let's mm. go, let's work. And now we have Eminem. And how many rappers have that? Kendrick's got mixtapes out. Like everyone did that process. So you need, that's your only access to beats at that time. Mm. So the question then becomes, 
was it illegal and wrong for like Eminem and Kendrick and all of them to have even made those mm. or to have made a profit and a career off of those or to have then gone out onto the streets and sold those tapes? Like mm. where, where do we each of us see the line of that example as being like, I guess, unethical, illegal? Is there a difference for you, amoral? I think um, throughout that whole journey, I think there's several points when my mind kind of changes a little bit. So I'm going to take it to that first initial part when DJs are playing the breaks mm. and rappers are rapping over top. Now, if you were to do that now, if you were to take a sample of just a, let, let's say it's a three to five second sample from a from a track. This is, right now, it is wholly illegal. It's totally illegal. If you take a three, five second sample, which is a popular myth that you can take a certain mm. amount of time and it's not illegal. It's eight seconds, you're allowed. Absolutely not true. Um, <laughs> but you take three to five seconds and you loop it. It's not really the same song, right? It's just one tiny snippet. And then the rapper starts rapping over top of it and you've got a whole new thing in my mind. So that for me is intent because they are not trying to um, take this song and like, so basically uh, the the main one people sue them for is like damages. Like, mm. Hey, you took this part of my song and we want some credit. We want some credit. And we want some, we want money that we would have maybe made from our original song. No one's listening to the original song in the same way they would listen to the, the, the changed up version. Right. Yeah. Um, the intent is to create an entirely new product. And there's certain cases where I changed my mind on this, like something like uh, Anaconda by um, Nicki Minaj. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to pay for that one. That's that's the entire hook. That's the entire um, chorus from the original song, and you've used it as your chorus. Yeah, all right. I reckon you should probably get some get the royalties for that and make get the rights for it and make sure you pay for it. But for a small time creator, and it doesn't really matter that small time. I think like taking little mini samples from from artists. I feel mor- morality wise, I feel it should be free and fine. Mm-hmm. I unless perhaps you could say maybe you could sue if they took your stuff and they flipped it in a way that was really against you. Uh, yeah, again, morality wise. So if, if I don't know why I'm bringing Nazis up twice in an episode, <laughs> but if a Nazi hip hop group took a sample and wrapped some really obscene shit over top of your stuff, I'd be like, all right, yeah, maybe sue them. They told yeah. them to not take your stuff and use it in that way. That seems a bit obscene. Mm. But if there's an intent, of, if there's only an intent of making uh, some new music, I realize as I'm saying it's a super gray area because uh-huh. you could say like, well, I'm a Christian, you didn't write Christian rap, so I'm not happy with your stuff, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of hard, but yeah, I don't know. With the mixtapes, there's a bit of a there is a bit of a um, precedent that's like most people expect a mixtape to be free. Yeah. You don't make a mixtape with other people's beats, especially famous beats. If you yeah. make if you just take the entire album of To Pimp and Butterfly and put your own beat raps over top and say, "Here's my mixtape," people will be like, "Dude, you can't you can't <laughs> sell that shit." If you want to do it for your own creativity and put it out there as like a look at me, this is my kind of way into the industry. Yeah, all right, fine, sweet. I, I've got no qualms with that. I don't know. I don't know what Kendrick would say about that or, or any other artist would say about that kind of thing. Yep. But in, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that is just part of the culture and it's been part of the culture, of not just hip hop either. I'm just, I'm just talking, when I say culture in this instance, I'm talking just about creativity in general. What about the blues? What about jazz music? It is so important to have, everyone's got the standards. Everyone has recorded, um, so, you know, I can't, for some reason I can't think of any, any particular songs off the top of my head, but blues um, has- Giant Steps, what's the standard by? Like, I'm not sure if that is. Can't remember. But okay, nonetheless, Giant Steps is a great example. Gi- Giant Steps or anything off Kind of Blue, you know, something like that, where how many bands would have played those songs now, right? Mm-hmm. Take the head, change it up, do what you want in the middle, play the head again, and then you're done. 
but but a standard is just part of what you do. You need, in fact, you actually you can't exist in the jazz world without knowing the standards. Yeah. And the original creators aren't expecting to get um, money every time the standards are played. Maybe there are certain artists out there who are doing it, but I would, I would argue that like that's so inherently part of the creative process is to take the things that inspire you and kind of evolve them into your and, and rework them into your own language. The intent is fully there to be like. I'm furthering the art by doing this. I'm not trying to steal your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Hmm. As I talk, there's so many different examples in my mind mm-hmm. that I'm, and I am really torn because there are examples of like, yeah, you could take the entirety of um, of uh, like, I've just blanked on every <laughs> hip hop album of all time. <laughs> Take a Tribe Called Quest album, scrap the lyrics, put your own yep. beat, put your own lyrics up, and if you upload to Spotify, yeah, that would feel weird because you're uploading mm. it to a site that you are making money off. Yep. If you put it on Bandcamp and it was a totally free album, you have no option to pay for it. Mm. Maybe, mm. maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. This yeah. is interesting because I think this is the first thing I thought when you mentioned that Anaconda song. Mm-hmm. She took it and she used it as a product. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't making that song for like artistic purposes it was to Mm. sell Mm -hmm. so i think that that should be the line i think when you're taking other people's artwork to use as a product then money should be involved but if you're Mm -hmm. taking it like you said with intent to um you know reinterpret it or reimagine the idea Mm -hmm. i think that's i think that should be fine i think that should be acceptable so okay so my question then is and i i actually agree with you so i'm trying to understand for myself Let's assume, and I'm sure we can look this up. My apologies, you know, we, we can and should look this up. Did Nicki Minaj pay so mix a lot to sample? Definitely, I, I like big butts. I think, I think right? I looked it up because um, I was fascinated by it when it came out. Because like yeah. this is this is an insane uh, sample, and this is it's it's the type of sampling that draws a lot of criticism from people who don't listen to a lot of hip hop. They're yeah. like, oh man, you just take someone else's song and rap over it. That is bullshit. Yeah, which of course is. Not bullshit. That's much like a standard in jazz. Like yep. you, you, you take the bit and then you do your solo. You, you, you kind of do what you do over top. So I don't think mm-hmm. that's because it's a different thing. It's not, it's not writing a song in the same way Bob Dylan writes a song. Yep. It's a, it's a whole different process and a different artistic expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. Is okay, <laughs> cool. So all right, so Nicki Minaj definitely play pays for that because mm-hmm. she goes this. This sample is so perfect. I'm not going to even find another producer to make me something similar mm. or I'm not going to go into the compositional elements and find something that fits that bill. Maybe I'll talk about a Python instead of an Anaconda, you know, just to be original. So then I listen to, so, you know, I've got a couple tracks. I want to put out a mixtape and I've got these tracks sitting and waiting. There's a, a you know, I'll, I'll probably bring everything back to Kanye for the rest of my life. There was, you know, when Kanye was doing his Sunday service things and it was like three weeks in, there was this incredible sample of him just playing with his sampler and he's got the choir singing with him. It's like, ayo, 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 And it's incredible. And he's hitting yeah, these like yeah. synth stabs and stuff like that. And I just went, I remember the first time I heard it, I'm looking at it on my phone. 10 minutes later, I'm ripping the file off of Instagram, putting it into Ableton, finding the sample I like, looping it ad nauseum, and then just starting to write. And that song I now have, I just have it in like a properly recorded version sitting on my hard drive. It's called Sunday Salvation. And it's, you know, exactly directly inspired by that. One, I don't necessarily have access to even get to Kanye's people 
to offer him money mm-hmm. to do that yeah. thing. Two, even if I could, I don't imagine that the price tag that he placed on that sample that was a single clip that went up on Instagram is something that I would ever be able to achieve in, anytime soon. And so then what is, you know, is it fair then that Nicki Minaj has label backing and finance behind her to reach out to some Mix-a-Lots people and I do not? Mm. And should I be aiming at only ever sampling and working off of the music around me, even though it struck me, it was so immediately striking that I need to make this thing out of this thing right now. And I'm actually just happy that it exists. I love that I get to play it live. And I'm waiting for the day that Kanye's people reach out and they're like, hey man, you need to stop talking about this. You need to stop doing this thing when you're doing it live because that's a track he wants to release in 2037 or some shit like that. Mm. So that would be fantastical. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's keep in touch. I'll, I'll delete the file here. You can, if Kanye FaceTimes Kanye. me, I'll delete it right in front of him. Let's, let's yeah. do this thing. Um, so I guess that, that imbalance, I guess, is something as well that this whole topic comes back to. Labels and, and established artists have that ability to buy samples. And, you know, Drake, there's a famous story about Drake's One Dance is people just had a bunch of stuff that they liked listening to. Yeah. They found this in their old, like, playlist from six years prior and went, oh, I really like this. Baby, I like your... And biggest song of the next three years, mm-hmm. right? And it's purely... And so they hit up this woman in Scotland. Hey, you recorded this song six years ago. Mm. Um, Drake really likes it. Can we fly you out to like re-record it and, yeah, right. um, and pay you a bunch of money? And she's like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I used to just sing it in pubs, but yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, so, so there's this drastic imbalance. And I guess the imbalance probably feels most pronounced at the product end. I'm stoked that I got to create that piece of art I don't want to make money off it. I just want mm-hmm. to be able to perform it. And I don't want to put it up on a website that'll generate income. Even though that said, I know if I release that with like a good video, that'll probably do reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Like it'll do well to break out of my circle at least. Like yeah. it, it has legs. Um, but the tragedy is I feel like I can't. Yeah. Ergo, I should work on something different. And and how do you guys see that limitation? That's very unfair. Yeah, mm. I... I in that case, I still stand by you are creating art from art with the intention of self-expression. Yep. It's very authentic. And I think in those cases, it should be allowed, especially because like, you know, our reach is not huge mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are like more well-established and we're in a position where we can compensate someone, yeah. I think, you know, it's only, it's only fair. Yeah. But because we're not in that position right now, like, you know, I think we should be allowed to like, mm-hmm. you know, reinterpret people's material. Yep. Well, I would argue that so, like taking it back to the um, the main complaint would be so if it was, if it was, if they sued for damages, mm. I would say, well, he's not you're not taking away from Kanye yeah. at this point in your career. You know, yeah. your reach isn't Kanye's reach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard system to, to 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 theorize how it would work, but I would love to just see. It's just about the money in terms of like if you make a certain amount, if there's a certain mm. level that you're getting to, then sure. But yep. like if maybe it should just be the case of, and also most of these companies won't sue us either. Like they're not going to mm. see any of us mm-hmm. and sue us massive waste of their time and money. They'll yep. just send us a letter and say, Hey, stop using our shit. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think there should be a, f- well, and it's fair use. Like it's like the fair use mm-hmm. thing that I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. They release a trailer into the public domain and that is actually okay to be 
commented on. You can take yeah, other. Nice. You can take snippets from audio. You take snippets from movies if you are directly talking about it and and your product is um of, of a review nature. Also, this is talking about the the United States. I actually have no idea what Australia's <laughs> Australia's fair use laws if they exist. Our we our free speech and fair use laws are very hazy and kind of non-existent compared to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, like, so I would love to see some sort of fair use kind of come into play in that mm. sense. Like if you take a work that is clearly in with the intent, and again, I don't know how this will work because it's all going to be automated anyway because these systems are so huge. It's on Spotify and YouTube and there's yep. so much content. So I don't know how the hell you do it. But regardless, in theory, some sort of fair use that says if your intent is solely to take it, flip it into an entirely new work, mm. regardless of like even if you can tell it's from the original, you know, because yep. you could do it. You can take something from a super famous song mm-hmm. and then distort it and flip it so far past what it was yep. that people can't even hear and an AI is never going to pick it up. Yep. It doesn't matter. No one's going to sue you. And I think even if they did, they would take you to a court and the judge would be like, well, it's not any, is nothing like what mm-hmm. it was originally. It's so processed yep. beyond the point of recognition that it's the, impossible to The tell. sample at the start of Loyalty by Kendrick mm-hmm. is from Bruno Mars' 24 Karat Gold. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, the vocoderie. Yeah. Like, and so the whole song uses that sample. It's only when someone breaks it down that it's spliced, mm-hmm. reversed, Damn. and like detuned that you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would never have thunk that. Right. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. where's Bruno Mars, you know, rocking up to Kendrick's house being like, yo, yeah. damages. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you would police it, mm. but that's really where I would love to see it go. And again, if there was a certain level of money involved, so yeah. like you have to, I don't know where you set the boundaries. I don't know how you can say like, hey, if you make a thousand dollars, because like maybe you're sampling from a small jazz band because, you know, sure. jazz samples are fucking great. So yep. you sample from a small jazz band and then your song gets... A hundred, two hundred dollars. What if that jazz band is making shit all at the moment? Like, mm. so I don't know where you would set that line, yeah. but for me, I'm bringing it all down to intent. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. So, okay. So, I guess one model that comes to mind that I quite like in terms of what you're talking about mm-hmm. is this thing of like, are you even making a dent in their profile yep. based on your listenership? Yeah. And maybe comparing it, like I think a model that I quite like is the way Hex works here in Australia and in Melbourne in particular. Hex is I'm going to take out essentially a loan from the government to go and do uni. And only once I start making this much money or higher Mm -hmm. does the government start taking that money back. So this idea that, okay, I've assumed I've taken a loan to like – this sample is normally worth, say, $2,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I don't have $2,000. I've made the song. Now the song has generated $2,000 in revenue. Every dollar from now on is taxed by the original rights holder Yeah. Okay. to this value. Okay. And so maybe as, you know, when you're submitting music like that, Spotify, instead of saying, hey, you have a right to take this down, it actually first mm. says, we value this song for you at like $3,000. Their use of this sample is $3,000. After that, you can start cooping. And if they, you know, have a monster hit, well, amazing. They generate 300K revenue off of your like 200K K stream song. Boom, all of that money, like a fraction of that will always come to you, not to recoup the 3K, but to recoup this percentage every single time. Mm. Automatic royalties. Automatic royalties. And the idea being the, like when the song is successful, both parties win. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know, I think I think one of the cool things that happens is when I learned that, yeah, like Kanye or Pharrell and people like that sample, mm-hmm. 
I discovered the website whosample.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that helped me discover all this incredible music. Oh, like, um, what is it? There's a Twister song that is the Bill Withers, like, Lovely Day. Mm-hmm. When I wake up in the morning light. And I think that song is famouser today than it ever was in its own time yeah. because of Bill Withers. Uh, sorry, because of Twister. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so like there's so much Kanye stuff. The year that Kanye released My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Bon Iver won... Uh, yeah. In his category, yeah, Bon Iver was going to be a nobody, and then Kanye releases this track called. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry, Bon Iver fans. Yeah, the dude, <laughs> the dude who no, played a not, cassette tape to 28 off. people into Graves Alley in Melbourne. Yeah, 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 yeah. that guy was going to be super famous all on his own. Yeah, Kanye plucked him out of nowhere and said, "I like what you do. Come and do it. You know, here, re-record Lo- uh, Woods, and we're going to call it Lost in the World." And it was an absolute gangbuster hit. Mm. And after that, suddenly Bon Iver becomes big everywhere. Mm. Kanye samples the Panda song and suddenly that becomes the song of the year. And you see this happen and it's like he's picked you out of nowhere and put you here. That's Mm. the reverse relationship. And so why is it being feared when a a Beyonce or someone like that is getting Mm. sampled by a nobody? Like- let that nobody get big yeah. and then share in the in the profit. It only yeah, works both yeah. ways. Well, like um, we have tax brackets. So uh-huh, I, I nice. make no money. Yep. Famously so. I'm very, very <laughs> poor. Um, which means at the end of the year, I get most of my tax back. I pay yep. nothing except for like when I buy a soda pop, I pay <laughs> a certain amount of GST, you know. Golly um, gee. But because I make so little money, I actually don't contribute the same amount to society. You know, monetarily speaking, I think I contribute so much to society. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen my hair? But um, <laughs> in terms of art, I think that's such a good that's such a good method. I like that. I don't know how. Again, I don't know how you would set it up. But if we're setting up these AI systems anyway, yep. then we can go down this route. I and I assume you guys do the same because most almost every Australian artist should, and there's other systems throughout the world. But you register your song with APRA, uh-huh. yeah. so they already track your royalties anyway. So if mm. your song gets played on a radio station, mm-hmm. you get kicked back from them immediately. That's their mm. that's the whole reason you sign up with APRA. Um, same with uh, performance royalties. You play your stuff live. APRA gives you royalties yep. because the venues pay for your for their APRA license, and so every uh. time you play you get kicked back not only your payment from the venue itself, mm-hmm. but you should be getting small little checks from APRA as well. Yeah. It's tiny amounts of money. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Until you're making big bucks anyway, it, you know, it's kind of negligible. Um, but that kind of system can already tie into these AI systems mm-hmm. that can be like, all right, cool. So we have detected that this song is in being played in this song, um, but it's only this much. And they can also, why do, we need to measure. This is another one. So a thing, the thing on YouTube is like, you have a 10 minute video. Mm-hmm. and you have Mario pop up for a second, yeah. you are demonetized instantly. Yeah. The entire video is not making any money. Yeah. In fact, worst, most of the time, the money goes to Nintendo. Yes. The money still is yeah. being generated, but you don't get to see a cent of it from your 10-minute video, mm-hmm. even though one Mario shows up. Yeah. That's insane. Um, if they want to take a little bit, I don't think they deserve it, but... I, I would deal with that. Yep. If they just, if you, and I think it should be measured. They say, all right, cool. Because they do. They tell you how much of the content is being taken. We've detected mm-hmm. that you have played this amount of this song for this amount of time in your video, yep. out of a 10 minute video. So why don't they take the portion of the co- of the revenue from that point? Because mm. they could measure it. They can see a percentage. They see how much money is earned. Take that percentage from the money and move it to the giant yeah. company. Yeah. I see no. I've got no qualms with that. It's yep. annoying, depending on what it is, uh, and and there is a lot of fair use cases in the states where they really don't deserve any money because that's how the law works. 
But if this is the game we have to play, then that's the game we have to play. And mm. I don't really see a problem with that. So it just seems, but it seems to be the case at the moment is all money goes to the giant corporations. Yeah. Big surprise. Yeah. We don't need to get into anti-capitalism kind of shit, but you know, it's 2020. I think we're all kind of, we're all kind of on the same boat at the moment. Like fuck yep. capitalism. But <laughs> man, like, yeah, if all, if that's the, if that's the default, that little guy gets nothing and a big guy gets everything. It sounds so simplified, but so fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. all these systems. 100%. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to just jump into one last thing with, with this because um, there's another this there's another thing about this is it's not just detecting samples. This is detecting rhythms, chord progressions, melodies, mm. patterns, all oh. that shit. Yeah. What's the where actual? It makes no sense. And I don't know how Spotify's going to do this because if they've like, heard, will there only be one boom bap song exactly. on all of Spotify? If they've heard trap music, then they know that <laughs> yeah. it's, it, you can't do it. It's the same beat every single time. Yeah. And maybe that'll be a part of it. Maybe they'll have certain things that pop up and they go like, oh yeah, that's all allowed because that's yeah. kind of part of the thing. But you can't, I don't think you can copyright chord progressions. No, I know you can't copyright chord progressions and you can't copyright drum patterns. Right. It's not allowed for that exact reason. Yeah. But there have been um, landmark suits recently. Dark Horse by um, Katy Perry. Perry. Yeah. She lost that court case. Oh, wow. She lost that court case. I can't remember who the original artist, not the original artist, the suing artist, um, they said that her court progression was similar to theirs. Mm. And it is. It's a Mm -hmm. little bit similar, but it is not enough. Yeah. That's like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to listen to this version ever again because Dark Horse exists. They're two entirely different songs. And if you can sue over a court progression, like 90% of pop music is done. You can't make new pop music because they're all using the same chord progressions. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. We go, to these things we go to these chord progressions to these melodies to these drum patterns because they're familiar yeah why do you think we listen to the same trap drums every single time mm-hmm. because they slap and we yeah. want to hear them every single time yeah slight variation cool slightly different 808s and whatnot that's fine but like humans love that familiarity it makes mm-hmm. us feel safe we take those concepts and we now evolve it we push it a little further Kanye's yep. great at this he takes a concept really well known and then moves it on yep. and does something, does something interesting with it you use um, dancehall beats all the time you mm-hmm. definitely don't make dancehall music though mm-hmm. but the dancehall rhythm is there so yep. often and it's like why so so does that mean Amusa does not get to create anything with the dancehall beat anymore because dancehall musicians are like, no, that's our rhythm. Mm. In fact, it's going to be one. It's going to be one guy yeah. makes a dancehall beat with a new system. He mm. gets his, his little fingerprint on that beat and then it's like, well, that's me now. You guys have to come up with a different rhythm. You're going to run out of rhythms real quick. Yeah. I mean, that's actually brilliant is now just create, you know, 4,500 songs that just oh, have the right tone that Spotify goes, okay, cool. This is broad enough that when I hear it in another song, I know that you did it first. Yeah. And they're just there to be copyright trolls. Yeah. Oh, no. Don't give anyone any ideas, Mash. Uh, if you're listening to this, I've already done it. It's my idea. I copyright this idea as of this video, uh, patent pending, and uh, don't steal my idea. I think a point to, to also touch on is that we are being extreme at the moment. These are yeah. like, these yeah. are taken to a ridiculous point. And, Absolutely. And these companies like Spotify, they do know what is happening. They know that this is going to be a problem because they know that sure, they make the most money out of, out of a, out of a Beyonce and a Kanye and a, and a, and a mm. what have you, a Pharrell, but they also make a shitload of money off 
thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of small creators making a little bit here and there, a little bit here and there, a little bit here and yeah. there. Man, the goddamn beats to study to and oh, like, yeah. those creators aren't yeah. big. They're not making big big bucks, mm. but that playlist is. Yeah. You fill a giant playlist like that with a bunch of small time creators, and as you said, it's all boom bap. It's yep. all dusty boom bap. Yeah. It'll be. How are you? How do you? set aside I mean I actually can't tell the difference between most of those tracks oh, no. that's the point of the <laughs> yeah. playlist and that's a, that's another thing is like art is oh man I'm in such a rant at the moment I'm in such a mood for this I hate, this drives me insane this kind of shit but art is also has so many different purposes that mm. is a very specific purpose same yeah. with like you know elevator music or or, or um or pop music as well what was the example before we had so Anaconda yeah and you, and you called it a product and it is, but that was also its artistic purpose. Like mm. that was not yeah. designed to be totally. like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she went into the studio that day and she had so much emotion in her heart. She just had, she grabbed the notepad and she started scribbling <laughs> furiously because she just had to get it out. But I don't think so. She made that for the yeah. club. And yeah. it's also, that's great. I mm. like music that does that. I like music that has the intent. That's why mm. house music exists. Well, that's why um, it was most dance music exists. That's why, you know, so many different things have that purpose. Yep. Same with that, um, with the beats to study to, because like, yes, they're great tracks. Um, there is artistic expression. Obviously there mm-hmm. is so much creativity in it, but they also, for the most part, make it with a purpose in mind. They're yep. creating a mood. Drake's create, Drake creates a mood. Oh yeah. And that's why his, <laughs> so many of his songs sound the same. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from that? Is he going to get copyrighted by himself? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Damn, no, I feel like Nickelback will be the first ones to cop that self, <laughs> self-copyright. self On the same album as well, it'd be like, I'm yeah. sorry, this song is already... Yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll happen and maybe they'll start copying that thing like we did where it's like, oh, you're using copyright material. It's my own copyright material. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, any any parting thoughts here on this one, Amitha? Oh, man, I'm living in a different world, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I hear what both of you guys are saying and I agree with everything you're saying. And I guess like what I'm trying to, the idea I'm trying to hold in my mind is just for a better future mm-hmm. where we don't even need to worry about this thing because, you know, art will just be art. And yeah. You know, as soon as you take the the money aspect of it away, everyone will just have so much more fun with it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I want to leave you with. <laughs> I love it. Let art be art. Yeah, I my hope is for the internet. My hope is for pirates will save us all. Like that's, <laughs> that's the best part about the internet. I think is is um, sites that have enabled. SoundCloud, as much as I hate SoundCloud because it's just an appallingly designed website, that'll be a whole nother rant for another time. It's just like, the, it's so unuser friendly. Um, but sites like that, where it's a little bit more lapsed, you can get away with yeah. so much more shit on SoundCloud. And I love that. I think yeah. that's brilliant. Um, and it's really necessary um, to have that kind of thing. Amazing. Um, places where it's a bit more of a Wild West type situation. I'm going to duck off and let the person at the door in. Nice. Um, Well, thank you you all for joining us here on this episode, episode number 11. Uh, If you're out there in the Wild West and creating and you just want to let art be art, drop it in the comments below. Let us know if you're listening, if you're watching, you can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on Spotify. Uh, We hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and that you're about to have a very fantastical Happy New Year. And so much love to every single person out there in the delightful multi-omni every verse. Uh, and we out. Thanks we out. for joining. Peace.